Hi friends and welcome back to another episode of Get Up Girl. Uh, It's been a minute since we've been together so if you're just joining us for the first time I would just like to say welcome. We're so thrilled you're here and if you've been with us for a while I would like to say thanks for sticking around and coming back for more. We've taken a little break from the podcast for a while just to kind of dream and scheme for a little bit, but we are back and uh, we have some incredible women coming on the podcast to share their testimonies, their experiences. We have some new friends and some familiar friends. We have women who are professionals in their field coming to talk about certain topics. And so um, we are just so excited for what lies ahead. So again, we just want to say thank you so much for joining us. Uh, We are thrilled to do this journey with y'all. Couldn't do it without you. And um, thank you for being here and more to come. So don't go anywhere. All right, so let's get into it today. Today on the podcast, we have a familiar friend coming back. Her name is Perry Gilbert Reed. And Perry has been on the podcast before uh, to share her personal testimony. And if you have not listened to her episode yet, we really encourage you uh, when you have a minute to go back and listen to that because uh, she covers several different topics in her own personal story there. And um, she is just incredible. And she is just so full of light and joy, not to mention she is absolutely hilarious. So we promise that you will laugh uh, while you listen to her episode as well. But um, she just has so much packed into her and we know that you'll be encouraged by her personal testimony too. So, but today Perry is back on the podcast with us to talk about a topic called spiritual abuse. Perry is a licensed professional counselor. Um, She has like 18 degrees. She has like 47 letters behind her name. She is currently working on her PhD. Um, She is super smart is what I'm trying to tell you, okay? So Perry sits down with us today to unpack this topic of spiritual abuse. And if you have just heard that word for the first time, right now, then we definitely encourage you to stick around and listen to this conversation because uh, you will learn a whole lot more about this topic. And if you're familiar with that term, spiritual abuse, then we encourage you to stick around and listen to this entire episode because you will learn a whole lot more. Um, There is just so much packed into this conversation with her. And uh, so we believe that you will learn a few things here today, uh, be aware of a few more things and also be encouraged. We do want to give a listener warning for this conversation. We will be talking about different areas of abuse today. So if you are a survivor of any form of abuse, um, we just encourage you to take care while listening. If at any point in this conversation you feel yourself uh, becoming triggered or overwhelmed, we would encourage you to pause this podcast and step away, uh, get some water, take a walk, um, just catch your breath for a minute. And if you find that maybe you're just not quite ready to come back and finish this conversation at this point in time, that is okay. And if after listening to this conversation today, you find that you need to unpack this a little bit more or process through some things, we encourage you to reach out to a trusted friend or source, um, a licensed professional counselor, maybe a pastor or someone in a pastoral role that you trust um, to walk through this a little bit more, because we do understand that this can be a heavy topic and And there may be some things that you realize in this conversation that maybe you've experienced yourself. So we definitely encourage you to take care while listening and reach out to someone if you need to after hearing this conversation. All right, so let's get into it. Here is my chat with the beautiful and lovely Perry Gilbert-Reed. Take care. (laughs) 
Well, hey, girl, welcome to this week's episode of Get Up Girl, a podcast inspired by women of all cultures and backgrounds who have been toe to toe in the ring of discouragement, disappointment, defeat, and how they got back up to fight. Each episode, we'll be discussing, well, all the things. Marriage, business, parenting, racial divides, grief, loss, and everything in between. We believe that you will be encouraged by these women through their stories. So come on, girl. It's time to get up. Okay, well, Perry, welcome back to the podcast. Because well, thank you. this is your second time on the podcast. And whoop, whoop. yes, I will say you are my first second time guest. So congratulations. Oh. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna send you a special prize in the mail. Um, I appreciate that. <laughs> no, but I, I really am so thrilled to have you uh, back on the podcast. And if you have not listened yet to Perry's testimony, uh, go back and find her episodes. She um, she shares her personal testimony with uh, grief and loss and um, gosh, I mean, th- there was so much packed into your story. Um, truly, truly amazing testimony and just how uh, God just invaded every area of your life and has led you really to where you are today, which we're going to talk about in a second. But um, so if you haven't listened to Perry's testimony yet, make sure you go back and, and get you a dose of old Peridot. And I'll, I'll, you just threw that out there. Well, (laughs) well, it's, you know, your full name is, is on the podcast, which I will, (laughs) I will withhold, uh, just to keep listeners on the edge of their seat for your full name. Uh, go back and listen to her, her episode for that. I don't think I've laughed as much, um, with anyone as I did when you and I recorded together. So good Lord, we laughed so much in that. (laughs) in that conversation, but gotta laugh. Yeah. So today, um, because you know, you have already been on and and shared your testimony. So today we're talking about something a little bit different. We're going to be talking about spiritual abuse, uh, Mm -hmm. which can be a heavy topic, you know, but, um, you're going to kind of take us through that. So Perry, will you kind of just tell us a little bit about, uh, what you're doing right now in your life and, um, how you came, you know, to, to this conversation today? Sure. So I am a licensed professional counselor. I'm also a registered play therapist and love, I love to tell people I play for a living. Um, so it is, it is so much fun. And, um, the more I work with children, the more I learn about adults, because a lot of things begin to happen in our childhood that form us, um, as adults. And so as I have explored different avenues of, um, counseling, Um, one thing that has continually come back up, I guess the one thing that just, when I hear it, it just makes my heart go crazy and that is spiritual abuse. And, you know, I am a survivor of it and Mm -hmm. it was tough to walk through. There are still days that I struggle with it. Um, and I think what I am finding more and more is that people really have no idea that that's a thing. <laughs> They're like, spiritual what? Yeah. Um, and I'm like, no, it's, it's real and it's there. And the more knowledge people have of it, the more they can begin to call it out and um, name it and then be able to um, get rid of it. 
you know, whether it be mm-hmm. in their own lives, in an institution that they are in, whatever that is, but being able to really recognize spiritual abuse. Yeah, absolutely. And I remember the first time you and I had a conversation about spiritual abuse and you labeled it as that, like you said that word spiritual abuse. And I remember sitting in your office and I was like, it just hit me like a ton of bricks. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's what I've been through. That's it. And I I too had never heard the term. And when you explained it, it was like, like a veil was just lifted. I was like, oh my stars, that is exactly. Um, So I'm just like selfishly and personally, I'm really excited for you to kind of dig deeper into this with us today and to learn from you. Um, You are the uh, teacher of teachers, my friend. I have learned all (laughs) kinds of uh, grammar, uh, <laughs> what else? There, there, there. Lay, la, lane, whatever. Um, but no, I, I am super excited uh, to hear your heart um, and all your knowledge on this topic. So um, whenever you're ready, you can just go ahead and, and take us through it. We're ready to hear what you have to say. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for this opportunity. And as I mentioned um, previously, just a few moments ago, was that I am a survivor of spiritual abuse. And Mm -hmm. so as we go through this and we're um, exploring what spiritual abuse is, I will use a little bit of my own story just to give examples of that. I will tell you that if you are a person listening to this podcast and you have never been able to verbally um, name what you've experienced and this is resonating with you, just know that we recognize that it could be triggering for you. And so if you need to put the podcast on pause so that you can come back to it, you know, totally obviously respect that. But we just want to make sure Mm -hmm. that you as a listener understand that and we are praying for you and lifting you up Mm -hmm. um as you heal from this um hopefully absolutely so um you want me just to dive in yeah where i mean wherever you want to uh kick off is good okay yeah well one of the things i want to explore first is what You know, when you hear the word spiritual abuse, it could mean so many things to different people. And so for this, for you and I to explore this together, spirituality is going to have the definition of an aspect of a faith-based ideal. Um, By definition, if you were to look it up in good old Webster, is the quality of being concerned with the human spirit or soul as opposed to a material or physical thing. Um, We consider spiritual religious integration to include any aspect of the sacred, transcendent, or beyond the ordinary. Mm. So when we are dealing with spirituality, we are dealing with the very um, utmost soul of a person um, in that human spirit. And so just in as abuse can damage, not damage, that's not the right word, but can be damaging Mm -hmm. to an individual, um, so it can to our our spirit and our core on there. Yeah. Um, and, And there is a difference between religion and spirituality. Now, if you talk to certain people, they may come up with, 
you know, they may use that interchangeably. I think some people do, but for the, uh, what I have learned as I've done my research in religion and spirituality and so forth, um, or in spiritual abuses, there is a difference. When, when I am referencing religion, it will be more of the organized, um, religion. It's going to be more of that, um, group process, uh, the whole as an institution, you know, like if we're looking at religions, we've got our, you know, non-denominational, our um, Presbyterian, um, Baptist, Methodist, that would be a religion. Yeah. It follows a certain set of values and principles. Now, that religion is hopefully, um, encouraging a positive spiritual experience. So yes, spirituality is a part or, you know, a healthy, (laughs) hopefully part of religion, but it is not in and of itself when I'm referencing religion necessarily focusing on or is interchangeable with spirituality. Um, when we talk about spirituality though, we're talking about our individual selves. Um, we're talking about a personal connection with God. We're talking about values and principles. Yes, but you know, um, in religion, there may be all these bylaws. <laughs> you yeah. know, it, and I can say this because I was Baptist, is that the committees on committees that are on committees um, <laughs> on there. So I may not necessarily have to go along with all the committees, committees, committee, but uh-huh. I can hold to a certain level of value and principle. Um, and you really don't need, you'll hear some people say I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious. Um, and that's, that's because my when I am spiritual, I'm talking about my relationship with Christ. Um, and yeah. then it, it deals more with the soul and that transcendent peace within ourselves. Yeah. And so we're going we're gonna to go on and just explain abuse, what abuse is. Now, in explaining abuse, of course, I'm going to come from just a generalized perspective. One of the things that's hardest about defining abuse is if you were to even look at state laws. Some state laws are going to reference it differently. Psychology may reference it different than something else. But overall, there is this arching idea that it is a pattern of behavior. Mm. So that's one thing that we can roll in our mind as pattern of behavior. So, again, going back to good old Webster, hadn't failed me yet, um, it's (laughs) corrupt practice. It's an improper custom. Um, It's also defined as treatment of substances in excess. So we're talking about drug drug abuse there Mm -hmm. or a language that condemns or abuses. Um, It attacks in words. Obviously, we're talking about verbal abuse there. in the physical realm, of course, it's going to be physical maltreatment. Um, it is the intent of that would be to injure, harm, or damage um, someone. Now, when we're looking at it from the lens of like counseling or psychological component to it, the APA, which is the American Psychological Association, has defined it as interactions in which one person behaves in a cruel, violent demeaning or invasive manner toward another person or animal. The term Mm. most commonly implies physical mistreatment, but also encompasses sexual and psychological emotional mistreatment. So um, obviously with abuse, it's heavy. Yeah. There's no, you know, there's no way around that. Um, Some of the things that you can kind of be aware of, I think people, when they hear 
the, well, let me ask you, Leanne. Um, when yeah. you hear the, the word abuse, like what's the first type of abuse that comes to mind? Um, I mean, for me personally, I, I go physical, physical or sexual okay. abuse. Yeah. And that's common around the board. And so usually when we think of that, and that's mostly what's uh, publicized, what yeah. comes on the news, what, you know, if you're taken to a court of law, it's often because of that. And But there are multiple abuses, right? So there's physical abuse, sexual abuse, mental or emotional abuse, yeah. exploitation, neglect, mm. um, abandonment. I mean, all of those are types of abuses. Yet still within the literature, spiritual abuse is not very well um, put in with the different types of abuse. Right now, if you were going to come to me and let's say that is the type of abuse that you have had is is on that spiritual plane, which the hardest part about spiritual abuse is it happens on that very human sacred part. I mean, you know, mm -hmm. when we're dealing with the spiritual realm of things, we're trusting someone differently. We right. walk into a church, you know, we're not expecting to get harmed. Right, we're expecting, right. you know, we're to expecting to get healed. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. And so it's very interesting. If you were to come to me, there is no diagnosis in what in the clinical setting of spiritual abuse. So I can't just open up my DSM, which is the counselor Bible of diagnoses and look at that. Okay, spiritual abuse. Let me put that on to you. Um, it's still not that well obviously um ingrained or understood and in yeah. fact the literature is still sparse it in the realm of abuse it's probably the newer i'm putting quotation marks around that the newer one um it was actually brought about in the 1990s was the first time the term spiritual abuse was used wow. so with the abuse factor in there we just have to remember that just because it can't be seen just because there isn't a physical scar mm. doesn't mean it didn't happen. Yeah. And that's where sometimes with the spiritual abuse, that's one of the hardest things with emotional abuse, especially with like gaslighting, is that it because it can't be seen, it's hard for us to, and I'm again putting quotation marks around this, yeah. to validate like in a court of law. Mm. Um, but one of the promising things is uh, there is a V code in the DSM, and those are codes that are promising. These are things that have been researched and have been um, brought before the APA and said, hey, we want this to really be considered. Here's some research backing this. So spiritual abuse does have a V code. Obviously, I can't put that on a diagnosis and get reimbursed for that for insurance. Um, yeah. But it's promising and hopefully one day will be a part of something that could be listed like, no, this is real and this is happening. But there is more and more literature um, and research being done on it because unfortunately, especially within our news, if you've watched, there have been more and more recent accounts of it. Yeah. Yeah. Why in this, I, I may be getting ahead. So if I am, just tell me we can circle around to it later. But, you know, you hear the term, um, narcissist or narcissism mm -hmm. a lot lately mm -hmm. and how how well first of all like can you just kind of define for us like what is narcissism 
Sure. So narcissism, now Chuck DeGroat, who wrote When Narcissism Comes to Church, and I think some other people have echoed what he has said, is that narcissism is on a continuum. He would say that we all have a little bit of narcissist tendencies within us, which is not fun to know that. Um, But (laughs) on on the extreme, narcissism is very much it's, it's not like what we've seen in some of the movies where it's always this overt type of I'm the bomb.com behavior where, you know, I stand here and I'm going to tell you how great I am. Narcissism is often, you know, many of the DSM, I'm not going to go through all the DSM criteria for it, but it is that you owe me something and... Uh. Everything that I do is for you to praise me or everything that I'm asking you to do is somehow or another, I have a game for it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And so those are going to be the people who are very much um, wanting the attention, wanting um, praise. And when they don't get it, it doesn't go over well for the other person on on there. So some of the symptoms, of course, is that exaggerated uh, sense of self-importance, entitlement, um, recognized as superior, definitely recognize other people and how they are not superior to them. Um, Uh And they're preoccupied with success, power, beauty, um, and not to be confused with borderline personality disorder. Okay. So personality, borderline personality disorder is more of the extreme emotion. And yes, it's all about me um, and that sort of thing. But there are differences. It's more, you can see more of an emotional instability with borderline personality disorder, whereas narcissism comes off very, very confident. But Uh. yet, yes, yet the very thing that makes them so confident is their fear of their or the insecurities that lie within them. So it's very much a battle for the narcissist internally. They want you to be vulnerable and they do what yeah. Chuck DeGroat calls phone, you know, phone vulnerability, whatever that is. I can't get that all out, but um, <laughs> this, this idea that they're going to pretend like they're vulnerable. So you'll be vulnerable so they can use uh, your vulnerability against you. So Does that make explo- sense? Yeah. So they can exploit your vulnerabilities for their game. Absolutely. That- absolutely. Okay. So, well, that kind of answers my next question because I was going to ask next, how does narcissism play into abuse well just since we're talking about spiritual abuse here how does that play into spiritual abuse yeah and are all abusers sorry sorry and you're fine you're asking great questions please oh well thanks um and are all abusers necessarily narcissists i mean yeah you know and i know when and if you just for you know, <laughs> to not go down the rabbit hole too far, because I know we could. But if, you know, when we say abuse, if we want to just limit it to spiritual abuse um, or, or whatever, you know, however you want to answer that. But, um, yeah. So how do how do those relate to each other? Yeah, we'll stick with spiritual abuse just because I know that, you know, there's so much to um, 
embody in that word of use that we'll break it down and make it a little bit more specific just for the listener even um but to spiritual abuse in in narcissism um all narcissist abusers or you know and and no um not all are but there probably is a level because it is a power differential so you know just in that being able to understand yes it can happen there and yes narcissists can be abusers but there are some narcissists that never abuse oh yeah yeah and so understanding that aspect now narcissism specifically in spiritual abuse what again makes this so hard is that spiritual abuse is on another realm right so again while it's harder in a court of law to prove emotional abuse and all these other types of abuses is I could take something out of context and make it sound totally legit. Yeah. But, and that's exactly what narcissists do when they gaslight, right? So I'm taking something out of context and I'm going to gaslight you for it. And you're going to walk away going, did that really just happen? Maybe I was wrong. Right. And so you're playing this over in your head and you're like, I don't know what just happened. And so the spiritual realm is a realm that's abstract anyway. Right. I can, I can, and I, I do believe that the Holy Spirit is with us at all times. I believe that God is omnipresent, omniscient, all he is God. He in his infinite, I'm trying to understand with my finite mind. And so it's beyond what I can totally grasp. And so with the spiritual realm, it's very hard anyway, right? Because we're trying to connect with someone we can't see, or it's easier as we know when I can see it, it's tangible as they're in front of me. It's a little bit easier, but that's why we have to walk by faith. So then mm-hmm. when somebody comes into this realm and twists all that, it just is like, what has happened? Right. And a narcissist can be so good at that, that we really leave questioning, did any of this happen? Mm. And we question ourselves and we doubt ourselves. Did that answer your question? I know it kind of went the yeah. long way. So. No, no. That, yes, you answered my question and more. That was great. Okay. <laughs> um, good. And um, and you may get to this later. So, again, just let me know. But um, Okay. Can we talk about or will you give examples of spiritual abuse that happens outside of the church walls? Like, is that something you? Yes. And in fact, and I, uh, I am going to give some examples of that. So okay. if we could translate that, because since we're about to hit the spiritual abuse part of it, we can um, do that. But if it doesn't make sense, as I do it by all means, let me know. Okay. Um Craig Cashwell is a uh, researcher. He is a professor at the College of William & Mary, and he made this quote. Um, he researches a lot on spiritual bypass, and I'll get back to you. And he made this statement, and I love it. Nothing that is psychologically damaging can be theologically sound. Mm. Let me say that one more yeah, time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing that is psychologically damaging can be theologically sound. <laughs> Jesus did not die on the cross for us to be confused. Yes. He did not, right? And yeah. so if there are these twisting Paula Swindle, who also works with uh, alongside Craig Cashwell at times in dealing with spiritual abuse and um, spiritual bypass, wrote her dissertation on entitled Twisting of the Sacred. And it's such a beautiful, unfortunately, uh, statement of what happens when people take God's word and twist it is psychologically damages us 
but there's just enough truth in it for it to sound believable. Gosh. And yeah. But it is not theologically sound. If we were to take that statement and back it up with what we know who God's character to be, uh, Jesus's actions, it would not be theologically sound. Yeah. And that's where we get like, well, he said from the pulpit, da, 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 or my husband said, da, 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 da. do I go back to a question? Because again, if I'm dealing with abuse, I'm probably taught not to question. Yeah. Yeah. And somewhere else on there yeah now let's take a now we've defined spirituality and we've defined we've defined abuse together and there's a couple of definitions lisa oakley has developed them johnson and vondervan have uh they're the ones that came up with the initial definition in 1990 and 1998 i want to say that like that late 1990s and then it's moved forward but some of the characteristics that have been common i think are across the board have been one where abuse occurs by a leader and it takes advantage of anyone under their care at any time in any of the following ways, physically, sexually, financially, emotionally, and or psychologically. It violates the spiritual rights and sacred truths in any way of form causing harm to his or her parishioner, employee, or volunteer. This is by Jamie Merrick, um, who wrote that one. Um, there's another one by Ward that talks about spiritual constructs. And how those spiritual constructs, and this is a word that keeps coming up as I do my research, and it's a scary word to hear in association with spirituality, is when God becomes weaponized, mm. when scripture becomes weaponized. Yeah. And it those tools are used to manipulate, demean, or encourage a power differential. So in my research... I've worked up a different definition and I want to explore this for a few minutes. And this is probably where I'm going to get into a little bit of the examples. So definitely, Leanne, if you, if I'm not making something clear, feel free to, to interrupt me. Okay. Um, and one of the hardest components, again, of spiritual abuse is trying to define it because there are so many components, but I think as more and more have, you know, become known about like narcissism and um, different elements that people have, it can allow the definition to expand. So that's exactly what I've done here. Mm -hmm. And so the working definition that I give is when anyone in a position of authority, so previous definitions have really focused on it happening within a spiritual or in a religious institution or some kind of construct that is within a religious institution. Mm -hmm. um, here is anyone in a position of authority, so not just a pastor, such as but not limited to clergy, teachers, parents, leaders, spouses, or employers. Mm -hmm. So some of my story comes from I have been in a church that straight up did spiritual abuse um, back when I was at in school in East Texas. And so there is that part of it. And then I have been in employment where the, um, I've both been worked at a church as well as been a part of a faith-based structure mm -hmm. that implemented, whose authority um, implemented a spiritual abuse component to it unfortunately mm, yeah so just understanding that if there is a faith-based dynamic spiritual abuse can happen anywhere that there's a power differential it yeah. can happen 
I can't tell you how many people come in my office and they begin to tell me about their family. And I'm like, oh my gosh, have you ever heard of spiritual abuse? Because what I'm hearing that the parents told them as children, no wonder that some of the things have played out as they have. So it can happen. If there is a person in authority, it can happen. And then from there, it's in those uh, constructs that covertly or overtly repeatedly use tactics and i'm gonna get to the tactics in a second but let's just spend a moment on the covertly or overtly repeated element so remember that abuse is a pattern of behavior if i come to you and just one time do it it's kind of hard maybe i just had a bad day or i just read the scripture out of context myself and didn't know any better didn't make it make you feel any better but you know it's not a repeated behavior but this repeated behavior and it can both be covert and overt so let's talk about that for a second there is such thing as covert abuse and that is let's let's especially Chuck DeGroat in his book is addressing it towards narcissism so a covert narcissist is that one that appears very vulnerable but is very much just as harmful and to me this is my own personal opinion covert narcissism is way more harmful than overt mm-hmm. both are harmful please hear me out yeah but the reason covert is so harmful is because it's everybody out in society loves the person mm. everybody yep. sees this person as he he or she hung the moon and you're like yep. you'll have no idea what's happening over here yeah and so you really feel very isolated Ooh. in this lord yes. perry <laughs> and so i had the privilege of being under a covert narcissist especially in an in an employment situation and so walking away talk about gaslighting at its extreme of just walking away going i don't did anybody else just see that and then when you hear people say well maybe he he or she didn't mean it that way Mm -hmm. i'm like uh, okay so very much invalidated because the experience they had with the person was not the same that i had with the person yeah and so that's that covert, covert. it just flies right under the radar. Mm-hmm. Um, the overt narcissism, I mean, it's just easy to spot. And probably the narcissist, him or herself, know that they are narcissists. I'm not afraid <laughs> to tell you that, <laughs> right? Yeah. So there's no guesswork. Yeah. We all know. Um, narcissist, okay? Um, but for, and again, hear me, that both are very damaging. But I think because that covert flies under the radar that we don't receive validation when that happens a lot of times. Yes. And so the, the tactics that are used, whether intentionally or unintentionally. So Leanne, if we were sitting next to each other and I crossed my legs and I kicked you in the knee unintentionally, would that hurt? Uh, sure. I mean, depending on how hard you kicked me. <laughs> right? Would it hurt? Would it physically hurt or would it emotionally hurt? <laughs> would it physically hurt? Yes, yes, yes. You probably gonna have a knot on your knee, you yeah. know? And so whether it is, this is where I think some people try to excuse spiritual abuse. Well, they didn't mean to do it. Mm. Well, that's fabulous. And, and they may have unintentionally, repeatedly harmed you. But if I kick you in the knee, even unintentionally, it's still going to hurt. Yeah. And so whether intentionally or unintentionally, it still hurts. So then when we use tactics, uh, again, in spiritual abuse, such as coercion, control, manipulation, exploitation, censorship, 
requirements of secrecy and or silence, mm. misuse of scripture and spiritual bypass, which I'll explain in a little bit, through mediums such as physical, sexual, or psychological means to isolate, even excuse physical sexual abuse for the, now here's the main thing with work with the definition of spiritual abuse, the goal to control another person to meet his or her needs, then spiritual abuse has occurred. Mm -hmm. Why do you think in your professional and personal opinion um, that people don't talk about this or report this? And I understand like that might even sound like a silly question, like, well, report it to who? The police, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. Um, but and, and, you know, especially then you throw in the gaslighting and then you walk away and you feel crazy. You're like, well, maybe it is me. Maybe I did make that up. Maybe, yeah. you know. Um, but do you think that that maybe that's why people don't talk about this enough or, or a lot? I would I would probably say yes on that. And later on, we'll talk a little bit about the shame cycle. But a lot of oh, okay. times, yeah, it, shame comes along with that. And the last thing I want to do, I'm already shamed enough by this individual. And then I'm yeah. hearing that shame. I'm like, they're right. Oh, my gosh. They have been able to convince me that I'm the issue. And that's part of my story is that it was covert, nar- covert narcissism because I was in a bullying situation within Mm. the church construct and so I would go to people and they were like but you're hard to get along with and I'm like okay so then it's okay for them to do that to me yeah and you know being able to go okay well what what am I doing that is hard to get along with but nobody could tell me right yeah so it's like I'm not really fully understanding this. So when you try to explain it to someone else, I mean, well, first of all, the last thing you want to do is explain it to someone else. Right. Because it's like, well, there must be something wrong with me. The last thing I want to do is go, hey, everybody, let's all talk about what's wrong with me. Okay. Yeah. So I'm not going to go out there and just, you know, do that. So we carry a lot of shame with us um, in the covert world. Now, going back to the reporting feature, you bring up a critical thing let's just spend a minute there one of the things that's consistently stated is why didn't especially like with some of these were sexual um abuse occurred mm-hmm. is why didn't the women come forward um if it was in sexual harassment why didn't these people come forward so you're asking these people to go to their very abuser and say by the way you abused me yeah. Okay, so how likely is the abuser to go, you know what, you're right, I sure do. Or how likely is it, you know, well, let's go confess this together. That's right. Nobody, yeah. right? Yeah. And so that makes it very hard in the reporting world. Yeah. Well, they've already been abused once. Now they're being abused again because they're not being heard. They're being silenced. Yeah. That answer your question. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I hear a lot, too, um, just even in friends that, you know, I have and have talked to about their experiences and everything. And it's like, especially within the church, I'm, I'm talking specifically under like a pastor in the church that it's like, well, I, I didn't, I didn't say anything or I didn't leave or whatever, because I didn't want to disrespect or dishonor my pastor. I didn't yeah. want to tell someone and it looked like I was gossiping or trying to slander my pastor. 
And, you know, and I hear that a lot. And I feel like that's a very sticky, gray situation because because it's like, well, of course, like, I don't want to just dishonor, you know, or disrespect my, my pastor, you know, he or she is my, my spiritual covering and my spiritual authority. And so that gets really messy there. And, um, do you have anything to, to say to that, to maybe someone who might be in that situation or has walked through that situation where it's specifically coming from like a pastoral uh, role? Mm -hmm. Yeah. One of the things we have to remember is, And of course, I'm going to say this, I'm going to come from both a personal and a clinical perspective as a therapist, but Jesus calls us, do I believe he gives us gifts and talents um, to be able to use, and some of us are called to use those within a uh, spiritual setting and a, you know, church setting, but at any point in time, if the setting I'm in is going against the word of God, If I am being harmed, if I am being guilted, if I am being shamed, how is that living out the fruits of the spirit? Mm -hmm. How is that other person showing me the love of Christ? And I think what happens is either, well, there's not either, there's probably several reasons, but one being we aren't ingrained enough in scripture or have, I mean, look, the average person does not have seminary knowledge. Yeah. scripture they, yeah. they haven't gone through systematic theology which i'm doing right now and it's mind-blowing like i could stab myself 16 times but <laughs> then you go into like, it's hard um most people don't have exegetical studies you know of scripture so they're going off what their pastor said yeah right and and so if the pastor has made you to believe you and it's so crazy because i just listened to this this morning there's a podcast again by paula swindle called sacred intersections and she was mentioning about part of the reason we get caught in this loop is because we have this loyalty culture we have this desire number one to be loyal but then when you start to add in spiritual abuse we get into this, well, I have to serve my pastor or mm. I have to be in this position. And so we have this should that goes on in our minds and in our hearts and, and it becomes a point of bitterness and resentment. Yeah. And so we keep showing up and keep showing up and keep getting, being battered because someone in the church is telling us to or someone has gotten us so entrenched into their belief system that I feel like I have to and that this is what I'm this is what this is what serving the Lord is like um, yeah. on there. And, you know, I have to suffer for Jesus. Mm. you'll hear that sometimes. Mm-hmm. And while I do believe that we, there are times that God calls us to suffering or not even the causes to suffering, but are presenting a situation so that we can grow. Yeah. It is, it is not for the outcome of the other person. Right. So, but is allowing this in my life because there's growth that needs to happen. And, but in a situation of spiritual abuse, it is only because the other person is wanting something. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, no, totally. I think that was a great explanation. Thank you. You're welcome. So, you know, some may be asking, what's the difference between spiritual abuse and a cult? And 
cults are their own entity. They are excessively demanding. They It is all-out commitment to them. Yeah. There is no room for questioning or for doubting or for disbelief. There's usually, if you do doubt or have any disbelief, you could be excommunicated. You could be um, punished in some way. The leadership, you if they say do X, Y, and Z, you got to follow X, Y, and Z to a T. Um, the group is viewed as special, but there's one person that's always exhausted, exalted above the rest. Mm. Um, there's often an us versus them mentality. We see that like in the David Koresh situation. We see that in some of the other um, big cults. There's one in my mind that I just forgot the name of it, but it was very much, and some are still a part of it today, but it was very much us versus them and their collection of um, guns and weaponry so that if anybody in a police uniform were coming to get them, they would know what to do. Wow. Um, yeah. And so the leader has no accountability. But I will say this, that part of the leader has no accountability is in even spiritual abuse. That's part of it because why would a leader want accountability um, if they are trying to do something for their own gain? Someone might actually stop them if they had accountability. Yeah. Um, or they surround themselves with what appears to be accountability, but it's everybody that thinks just like the leader. <laughs> right. Spiritual abuse, on the other hand, is going to be guilt, like guilt and shaming into serving in some way. Mm. Um questioning and doubting and this is where i've had the covert narcissism you know i want to be you've heard the words but i've had someone say you know we just want you to be transparent here but then when uh -huh. you go and you be transparent and you question then you're gaslighted then you're punished yeah exactly it's like well are you sure that i said that I, i'm pretty sure you just said it like five minutes ago in staff meeting you know or whatever yeah and they're like mm, i don't i don't think i said that I don't remember that conversation. Like, okay. Um, but you really walk away, just your mind's rolling. Yeah. Um, you could be theologically and spiritually bullied into something. That's a thing. I've had the bullying aspect of things on there. And it really, I mean, it got to the point where I would just go into my office and close the door and not talk to anybody for eight hours and go home. Oh, because wow. it just, I knew if I did, I was going to cry. I was going to do all these things. I wasn't going to, I was never validated in that situation. So there's, right. There's never validation for the abused often yeah. in a spiritual abuse situation. It's going to be how you saw things incorrectly. Mm. Um, leader refutes accountability um, and others support that. And it, it damages the core. So if again, if you look at the definitions of spirituality and abuse, essentially, if you really wanted to sum it up, it is where you abuse the soul. And there is mm -hmm. no greater abuse that could happen than when we abuse that soul. And I say no greater abuse. And to those who are listening, who've been physically or sexually abused, I recognize your pain. And oftentimes, along with that, the soul is abused. It craters that person. So yeah. I do not deny the power of what that person has experienced. Uh, but when we get down to that soul part of it, it is hard to recover mm. when our soul has been damaged or has been abused mm. in some way. Um, and it can leave you spiritually disorganized, emotionally cut off from the healing on love of God. Because if mm. that is what God is, yep. why would I want that? Yeah. So very tough stuff. Um, yeah. And go ahead. Were you about to oh, say something? Well, I was just going to make a, a comment. I think one of the most heartbreaking things that I've seen, you know, 
and with people in my personal life, like friends, um, that have survived spiritual abuse is that they've walked away from the church. They've walked away from God. And, um, you know, so I, I would just, (laughs) just encourage anyone out there who might be listening to this. Like if, if you're on the edge of that, if you're like, I'm done, I'm done with God, I'm done with church. I'm done. Like, please don't, please don't disconnect from the body. Um, you know, because church churches and religious organizations and, um, you know, all, all those they're they're built on men and women they're built mm-hmm. on people who are messy people are messy and we're jacked up and you know we, we ain't right <laughs> and yeah <laughs> um that's and that's not to excuse any abuse that's taken place i'm just saying we're all s- sinful uh people and um you know it's just we we can't um place that on one person on one pastor's shoulders or one leader's shoulders or whatever and so if there's anyone out there who is hearing this conversation and and you're in that spot where you're debating just leaving god altogether um and i I think perry you would probably agree with me on this is perry and i are standing together for you and saying please don't please actually um push harder into the lord and uh dive deeper into him and and cling closer to him um, while you're healing and walking through this, because um, that is not God. And right. and just like you said, Perry, God, Jesus didn't die on the cross for us to be confused and left, mm-hmm. you know, like, I- am I crazy? Am I what, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's one of the things, too, is that we do have to remember that while we may walk away going, why God? Why would this ever happen to me, to my child, to anything? Um, and, and it's okay to question. It's yeah. okay to ask God that difficult question. And he, the beautiful thing about the Lord is he will wait. Yes. He will wait patiently for you. And so being able to recognize that it is not God that did this to me. It is, it is his people claiming in his name. Yes. that have done this to me and so it doesn't negate anything the harm is still real yeah. and, and it still hurts so like I said whether it's intentional or unintentional it still hurts uh, but just know that those people were misusing and um, harming and weaponizing what God never intended to be weaponized yeah. And that leads into the covert and overt um, examples of spiritual abuse, you know, and we've kind of covered this. I'm not going to spend long on this, but again, going back to that overt, it's, it's just in your face. There's, it's going to be really hard to deny. It's going to be the lack of em- empathy, the sense of entitlement. And it just kind of leaves this degree of emotional dem- damage. And that person goes, well, good luck to you. Um, whereas the covert in, um, Chuck DeGrade talks about this waterline. Um, it's right under the waterline. People have difficulty believing the abuse is happening. They just can't imagine that person doing it. Uh, might have private feelings and thoughts and secret motives deeper than anyone else can realize mm-hmm. that the leader does. Um, again, appears vulnerable. And and some would even say that the leader may not even realize that they're doing it. And, and that may be true um, on there. But oftentimes when you try to bring it to the leader, they don't want to hear it. Yeah. Yep. Um, Chuck DeGroote has this great, <laughs> this great thing. He talks about um, a church that called him in and um, they, the pastor was having difficulty. I mean, 
going through and they were like, yeah, these are the things that we're seeing and we're going to give you a chance to recover. So here's where accountability worked, that the pastor was still, his heart was not hardened um, to when the staff and when other people and, and the committee came to him and said, look, we're seeing things that aren't healthy in this church. We're going to give you a chance for healthiness. We're going to call Chuck Crow in um, if you're willing and open to exploring how to make this a healthy culture versus an unhealthy culture. And the pastor allowed. And so in working with the pastor, they got to a point where Chuck DeGroote said, are you ready for the hard question? Are you ready to ask them, how do you see me? Ooh. And, oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and each staff member was allowed to come in and answer that question. Mm. And how amazing, how hard it was for that pastor to do that. Yeah. But how amazing it was that he was willing to hear that so that he could shift the culture to provide a healthier staff. Yeah. And to provide a healthy culture for people to um, grow in Christ on. Mm. And that is what accountability should look like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's incredible. Some ways. Now, leading from there, what could it, an unhealthy culture look like? Well, obviously spiritual abuse, but there's this other product called spiritual bypass. Have you ever heard of spiritual bypass, Leanne? I have not, Perry. Well, I am so Please. glad to know that. <laughs> Educate me. I really, I really I haven't. Shall. I really have never heard of it. <laughs> and again, most people haven't. And so the way that it was developed was it was actually developed in 1984. This term was coined, spiritual bypass, by a John, uh, I believe his name is Wellwood. Um, I'll double check that and give you the correct name if it isn't um, so that you can put it in your nose. But he okay. was a Buddhist and a psychotherapist. And so the way that he developed it was that it is when any person takes anything and tries to bypass any psychological task that needs to be done. So if I'm grieving and I don't really want to grieve because nobody wakes up and goes, well, can't wait to grieve today. Um, and I want to <laughs> With my coffee this morning, I'll just do a little light grieving. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Along with my coffee and whatever. Yeah. Um, and so when we use something to bypass that, when we use, for instance, um, you know what? I'm just, I'm just going to be happy today because, oh, that toxic positivity, right? So I'm just going to be happy. And if I put on a happy face, eventually I'm going to believe I'm happy and I don't have to grieve. Yeah. And then 10 years later, you're in a counselor's office because you never grieved. Yeah. Okay, so that would be spiritual bypass. Craig Cashwell, whom I mentioned earlier, and then saw, well, heck, this just doesn't happen on the day, on the average daily basis. This also happens in spirituality. Okay, so on the on the Christian in the Christian faith or in a faith based element is that I'm going to take that belief and that principle apply it to my life so I don't have to do all these psychological tasks that are necessary. So what partly I'm trying to show in my dissertation is that while that can, while we can do that to ourselves, other people can do it to us as well. Give an example. Oftentimes, you know, we hear about forgiveness and you are um, pouring out your heart and explaining that you um, are really having trouble forgiving your spouse and you found out two weeks ago had cheated on you. And the person that is with you says, well, you know, you're supposed to forgive because, you know, forgive 70 times seven. So I'm sure that's going to be hard for you, but it's biblical. Yeah. And so you just need to forgive. Yes, it's biblical. <laughs> 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 
think that to me, there is no validation for what I've experienced. Yeah. In that moment. And so not only am I faced with this very odd feeling of, I really don't want to forgive him. I really want to go throat punching that. What am I supposed to do with that? So now not only am I like, okay, well, I'm not forgiving. I'm also carrying shame because I'm not forgiving. And I didn't Mm -hmm. just wake up the next day having forgiven this person. Well, what we have to remember forgiveness is there's often a grieving process before we even reach the place that we can truly forgive somebody. Now we can work towards forgiveness. And every time we're waking up and we're acknowledging and we're taking, you know, today, Lord, I'm asking you to replace my anger with your forgiveness because I cannot do this by myself. Yeah, That's acknowledging that and I'm accepting that and God honors that. But the other person, when they're doing that to me, is asking me to bypass my own pain. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And so at its basic definition, again, it's when we use these spiritual ideas of scripture and religious and spiritual elements to bypass the task that needs to be done. And so when someone else is doing to us is invalidating us. And then we're taking on whatever that person, like that person may be sitting there going, well, this is what you should do. I don't know why you wouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, well, now there's something wrong with me. Yeah. And so in that, we need to remember that a lot of times with spiritual bypass from another individual is sometimes they feel uncomfortable with whatever we're bringing. So again, if you remember spiritual abuse, is whenever I coerce, manipulate, do all the things, misuse scripture, all the things, and for my own benefit. Yeah. Well, whenever I am uncomfortable in your emotion and I'm trying to hurry up and get you through it, that probably has nothing really that much to do with you as much as it is I don't like feeling uncomfortable. Mm. Okay, so that is what I mean by spiritual bypass. And so, again, it can be a form of manipulation, especially, again, when we're coming in a power differential or we're coming from a perspective of it's done over and over and over again. Now I'm in a pattern of behavior and that person keeps bringing the same thing, hoping I'll just get over it. And then I'm carrying on shame because I just can't get over it. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, it does. This is fascinating. And so I think some of the other considerations we just want to be mindful of is that when we are spiritually abused, that can lead us to have a trauma response. It can lead to PTSD. It can lead to these extreme outbursts. People are like, what is wrong with you? Well, I've just been triggered because that person, you know, said whatever on stage or my mom just said to me um, or My spouse said to me what my mom used to say to me about, you know, you think God's looking down on you and appreciates what you're doing right now Mm. and shaming me into that, you know, those kind of things. So we need to remember that it, it can have a trauma response to spiritual abuse. And our goal in spiritual abuse, especially me working with with clients, is not to snatch. It's often a a defense mechanism, this spiritual abuse, when we do it to ourselves. And I'm not going to snatch that from that person because if you had broken your leg and you're using your crutches to balance yourself and I kick them out from underneath you and go, good luck, that's not going to go well. Right. But, you know, so I need to sometimes be able to hold two truths, even the truth of, for instance, my teacher, my parent, my pastor unintentionally did this to me. They, They did what they thought was right. 
and hold the truth of, but they hurt me. Yeah. And I have to let those, those merge on there so that I can integrate them so that I can heal that within my self. So just, you know, being mindful, if you're listening to this podcast and you're like, why is it when I walk inside of a church, my skin crawls? I mean, that Mm -hmm. happened for me just walking in and I was having to, to go to a place where the abuse, where I just come from the abuse to go back into the, uh, to those environments around those people. And it was very hard, very triggering. And my mind's like, I don't care what anybody is saying right now. I need out. I can't breathe. I can't fit, you know, those kind of things. Just understanding that and seek out someone who understands, number one, spiritual abuse or spiritual has, you know, uh, a concept of spirituality. And then also someone who has understanding of trauma because it is a trauma that is happening to someone. Gosh, like there's just so much here and it's a lot to it's a lot to absorb and, and to process, you know. Um, sure. but I did have, well, I had two questions. I think you just kind of answered yes. one of them, but, um, one of my questions was your advice, um, to someone on how to heal, you know, the next steps yeah. in their healing. Um, and so I know you said, seek out someone who understands spiritual abuse. Um, you know, but, but maybe if someone's like, well, gosh, I'm just now learning about spiritual abuse. I don't know who else sure. understands it. Um, <laughs> You know, do you have any any other just maybe practical or, or whatever ways um, to start that sure. healing journey? Yeah, um, I think, you know, a lot of times and, and I had to do this for myself. I really had to take a step back from going to church um, for a few for almost close to a year um, just because it was so triggering for me. And part of that was, too, I was still having to face the same people. So my, my journey of healing was a little has been I'm still on that healing journey has been longer because of that um but if you have a chance to just remove yourself for a few you know as much as that sounds so like against what god would want um because we do want to be a part of the community a part of a community but being able to take a step back and just allow yourself to even explore what your triggers are what are the things that really are so hard for me to accept and being able to, again, understand that this, you know, people claiming uh, or using God's words against you that have weaponized that, that, that is not what God intended uh, for his word to ever be a tool of harm. And so recognizing that he's still going to love you through the process, even if you've stepped away from the institution of, of religion um, mm-hmm. in some way. And so being able, first of all, just to recognize this is happening to me, what is happening to me? What, and I'm holistic in my perspective as a therapist. What is the body experience? What does the heart feel? What does the brain think? Yeah. So being able to recognize that my body is responding to something right now, and I need to be aware of what that is. But, you know, when I walked into the church, my stomach dropped. Okay, that that is a response. I'm having mm. a visceral response to this environment. Yeah. Um, being able to understand what is my heart feeling? I feel anxious. I feel scared. I feel frustrated. I feel angry. And knowing, validate yourself. These are okay for me to have these emotions. What is not okay is if I act out in them and I hurt somebody. Because a lot of times we walk away wanting to hurt the other person as much as they've hurt us. Okay, so now we are in a dynamic where that's not going to be healthy for you or for them. Um 
And then what is my brain thinking? I'm not safe. Um, I am I'm not okay here. I'm in danger. I can't handle it. Uh, there's something wrong here. I should have known better, which are in some instances, you're going to have to hold two truths because in a church setting or in a faith structure of some sort, you may not feel safe, but being able to recognize, you know what, I have a choice now. Mm-hmm. And holding those two truths together. So those are some practical things. I encourage you to to read some things. Um, I've got, um, I think I sent you, Leanne, a list of resources that I have used. And some of these may be um, helpful to you. There's a wonderful book by Diane Langberg that talks about um, the power of abuse. Um, there is another one that is, of course, Chuck DeGroat's book is great, but just know it might be triggering, especially if you're leaving this, you're like, oh my gosh, this did happen to me. Um, on there, there's Escaping um, the Maze of Spiritual Abuse, written by Lisa Oakley. Um, mm. So a lot of things like that can be very helpful. Um, to just even understand or further expound on spiritual abuse and how it's happening inside and being able to call that out for what it is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and here's kind of, <laughs> this is kind of a loaded question, um, <laughs> but what uh, advice would you have for um, a, a survivor of spiritual abu- abuse who is struggling watching their abuser succeed? Mm. Their yeah. church is still going strong. Their organization is thriving. They're, they've written a book and it's a number one New York selling whatever. Like, like you know, like where they see oh, yeah. um, the, the person that has abused them is succeeding in life. And, and they're struggling yeah. with that. What would, you, what would you say to that? Yes, it is very hard to know that the person who hurts you, everybody thinks is the bomb.com. Mm-hmm. Um, it is very hard to entrust me, my flesh side of me that, because at the end of the day, I'm still responsible for my behavior. Yeah. And then we have fans or butts about that. And so, um, having to watch that so many times I sat down to type a letter so many times I sat down to report this so many times I sat down and just wanted to scream at the top of my lines. Cause it wasn't fair. It isn't fair. Plain yeah. and simple. It's it's not. But this life and unfortunately is not fair. Um, we live in a, a world that is, is full of sin. And so and we know that um sometimes that the unfair people appear to be the ones on top. And I think that's really where number one, the the first thing that I personally had to do is I had to commit that back to the Lord. I really mm-hmm. had to say, I don't like this. What I really want to do is, and I listed, I mean, me and God had some pretty hard conversations. Yeah. Um, you know, because at first my prayer was bring it down, you know, and um, it was crazy because there was one time I literally sat down to report this person and um, get it out there. And I said, I'm going to sit on it for a week and I'm going to pray about it. Yeah, And so um, I pulled it back up to read it to a trusted friend, someone that was safe for me to be able to explore that with, and went to open it, and it had been erased off my computer. What? Yes. You talk about just the Lord going, I'm telling you, not right now. And it's very hard. And and this is a, 
it's happened a couple of times with some other people of the same person. And so having to sit down and go, Oh my gosh, Lord, are you really telling me I can't, I can't tell, <laughs> Yeah, you know, why, why, um, and so forth. And it was just like the Holy Spirit said, now's not the time that, and this we have to remember is that the Lord tells us the vengeance is his. And why is that? Because his higher, his thoughts are higher than our thoughts and his ways are higher than our ways. And so he knows exactly not only because mine is out of my own pain, right? So I'm wanting to do this because I'm tired of being hurt. And if he's hurt me, he's probably hurt other people or he or she. And, um, but the Lord knows what's going on in that other person's life. And the Lord is not going to just exact pain because he has nothing else better to do. Yeah. There's going to be a purpose. And so that person who may have to receive that um, punishment or whatever that is, that it's going to be to break his or her heart so that he or she can be raised in the power of Christ. Yeah. And that's very hard to understand that the, the very forgiveness, it talks about in scripture that the rain falls on the just and the unjust. And you know what? Forgiveness falls on the just and the unjust. Yeah. As much. And it's very hard. It's very hard to sit back and go, I so much want to scream at the top of my lungs everything that you ever did to me. And I can't. Yeah. Because that is not the Lord's way. And and no one shamed me into that. No one bypassed me into that. Trust me, I have screamed, but I've just screamed in my own room. <laughs> yeah. I just hadn't screamed yeah. it from a mountaintop um, <laughs> on there. So, you know, um, it is hard um, to do. Lisa Tierkirch has a book out called Forgiving What You Can't Forget. Oh, yes. And, yes. and she has a beautiful prayer in there that she wrote. Um, and, and I wrote it, amending it to what I needed, but the, the last part of the prayer was Lord on the days when it is hardest for me to walk in forgiveness, to walk in love, replace your, replace my anger with your forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And it is hard. It's going to be hard to surrender that. Now, let me tell you this. On the first half of that, we also need to remember we're going through a grieving process as we recognize these things and understand these things. And part of that grieving is anger. Part of that grieving is going to be a flood of emotion. Mm -hmm. And you want to just unleash it like a demon as they have unleashed those things on you. I get it. And maybe there will be a day, but trust me, if we lash out, what are we going to be? We're just going to be the angry person that lashed out. Yeah. And so we have to remember if we want really for that person to see the truth of what they've done, it may not be us who delivers that truth. Yeah. And that might even in of itself be a little bit of a grieving process. Mm. Does that answer your question? Yeah, absolutely. Yes. You know, just know if you've endured any type of abuse, uh, my heart is is for you, and um, I daily pray over my clients, and so daily praying for any of those who have experienced any type of abuse, and um, if you have experienced spiritual abuse on, on various levels, just know that you are being thought of. You are being validated um, in my prayers, and, and I know Leanne's, and just know that it's okay to reach out and ask for help. Yeah, absolutely. Well, what a what a lighthearted conversation on this Saturday. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I need to like listen to this conversation a few times and 
unpack this. <laughs> this is sure. <laughs> I, and I get it. And if there's ever, you know, anything that we need to to discuss any further, well, I'll come back for part two, three, and four. I mean, I have no problem with that. <laughs> Listen, we're we're just gonna have you're just gonna have you as a regular reoccurring guest on the podcast with all your all your knowledge and you have so much to offer yes well thank you so much and thank you for being willing to um allow your podcast to be a platform to to discuss this very difficult topic and um Mm. to honor those who've experienced that so i appreciate you being willing to allow me that opportunity oh of course well thank you for that encouragement i i really appreciate that and and thank you too for just um being open and honest and um having this difficult conversation you know and yeah. And you too, supporting those who have walked this and are walking it and just loving on the people, um, you know, that, that are walking where you've been too. And um, I just think you have many jewels in your crown. So thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much for that. Mm-hmm. I don't know about y'all, but I took a lot of notes from that conversation. Um, so much packed into that. And I hope that as you wrap up this podcast episode, that you are walking away a little more informed and a little more encouraged than when you came in. And as always, thank y'all so much for joining us. And just a quick reminder, since it has been a minute since we've been together, if you're on Instagram, make sure you check us out at Get Up Girl Podcast. Uh, don't forget we have a website, getupstory.com. Lots of cool stuff on there. You can find all of the podcast episodes listed there with a bio about each woman who has shared her story. Get to know her a little bit better. And if you haven't already, it would mean the world to us if you could take just a few seconds and leave this podcast a rating and review on your podcast app. What that does is it just helps get the word out about this podcast and it helps others find us a little bit easier. So if you have been enjoying this podcast, if any of these testimonies have encouraged you personally in your faith walk or a friend in your life, we want to know about that. Please tell us. And the way that you can tell us is to head to the rating and review section and leave us a review and let us know. We would be so thrilled to read those. All right, friends, that is all we have for today. We will see you right back here again on the Get Up Girl podcast.